Welcome to episode four of season three of the Indo Techno podcast. I'm Alan Hellowell, founder of Southeast Asia startup consultancy Gizmo Advisors. Indonesia is part of some $600 billion in cross border trade within Southeast Asia alone. This part of the regional economy, however, remains painfully manual and inefficient. Problems that became even more acute during the COVID era. The key freight forwarding segment is still heavily manual. It, for instance, takes an average of 101 hours to provide a simple manual spot quote to a customer. This is, moreover, 11 hours longer than what we saw in 2015. Today's guest, Rifki Pratomo, is co-founder and CEO of Andalin, a platform that seeks to remove the tedious inefficiencies of traditional freight forwarding with the application of various digital technologies. Rifki, thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you, Alan, for having me. It's a pleasure. You're very welcome. Let's start off by talking about yourself, Rifki, and specifically about your undergraduate alma mater. You went to Carnegie Mellon University, which we profiled in past segments as being the birthplace of artificial intelligence, or AI, and it remains one of America's finest universities across fields such as computer science and engineering. What were highlights of your experience as an undergrad at Carnegie Mellon? Thank you, Alan. When I joined Carnegie Mellon, I took their business administration degree. But what's interesting to me with that experience is that there is a lot of heavy entrepreneurship focus in that program, which is what inspires me to become an entrepreneur myself today. Gotcha. Now, a very basic question about your company. Where does the name come from? <laughs> yeah. Andalin is like in Indonesia, which means reliable. So the idea behind the name is that our clients can focus on their manufacturing and selling, and they can trust international supply chain shipment with Andalin. Wow, that is a super relevant choice of company name. Let's go on to our second basic question. What exactly does Andalin do? Andalin is a digital freight forwarder. We provide import and export shipping services to manufacturing and distributors through our web application. So with a network of over 150 logistic partners around the world, we provide one-stop international shipping needs for our clients, whereby we can connect them to and from 200 cities worldwide. Understood. And so would we call that a 4PL service? Because 3PL stands for third-party logistics, which many of us would know in the West as FedEx or DHL and China as Xuanfang or SF Express. But do we sit on top of those third-party logistics players to offer a unified 4PL solution? That is exactly correct, Alan. We are a 4PL service, basically. Understood. Now, Andalin's corporate taglines include phrases such as shipping without borders and trade without borders. We at Andalin identify 12 major stakeholders involved in one single international trade, from the company doing the origin haulage, to the international shipper taking it across borders, to the financing and remittance players. Indeed, in my nearly 20 years covering e-commerce and cross-border trade as an equity research analyst, I cannot think of a tougher problem to solve for. At the same time, if you do solve it, if you can make international trade that much more efficient, you can unleash so much economic value. Would you agree? Yes, indeed, Alan. It's a very ambitious goal. 
But again, international trade has always been fragmented around the world. And Southeast Asia international trade alone is roughly a $2.8 trillion market. Yet its shipping and trading activities are being managed in different silo channels communications. So what happened is this result in less data visibility and chance to identify new potential opportunities to increase the trade economic value itself. So for example, what we do differently as a digital freight forwarder, we collect thousands of data ranging from who are the buyers, who the sellers are, what kind of goods they are shipping and at what price, and then who else are transacting or trading similar goods. And then we will utilize this data basically to later on develop new products such as a much more efficient trade financing service. And this is something that the current or conventional freight forwarding is lacking in terms of approach. Thanks for that explanation. Now, Rifki, how exactly did you come together with your co-founders and how did you guys decide to focus on such a tough problem? Before working on Andalin, I was working in Shell back in 2014, 2015. I was handling the finance for one of his logistics division. So this offered my main exposure into the international shipping and international trading activities. So what happened then is when I look into the operation, it's very, very manual. One shipment alone can result in having about 50 to 60 emails just to coordinate one shipping container alone. So this is very tedious. So I did some research into the space, deeper research into the space, and created a thesis that in the future, international trade and shipping will be coordinated into a single internet platform. Having done that research for about six to eight months during my time in Shell, I decided to resign from Shell. I wanted to focus on this project full time. So after resigning from Shell, I was working as a cyber cafe operator at the time. And Saud, who was my colleague back in Shell, my senior, came to visit my cyber cafe wondering why I left Shell. So I told him and shared him with the vision about the future of international trade, international shipping. And eventually after that three to four hour conversation, he decided to join the project. He wants to join the project as a full-time team member, so as a co-founder. And then we later recruited our CTO, Ivan, who is a family friend of South to help with the tech development. So are you implying that you almost became a professional esports gamer or <laughs> where would that internet cafe career have led? It was temporary. It was interesting as well. But yeah, the focus was always in Nandalin uh, since day one. Got you. So as of 2022, where exactly does the greatest complexity exist right now? For instance, in the case of a major electronics brand with big business in a tier two city in Indonesia, which is importing its product from, for instance, China, where is the greatest complexity in that activity? Yes, because currently international shipping is very fragmented in terms of information as well as services, it's very hard for a company to find the most optimized solution, especially through these ever-changing supply chain dynamics around the world. So in the past, typically a company will work with many different freight forwarders because each freight forwarders will have their own key strengths. But with Andalin, what they have to do is basically just work with us and we have this strong infrastructure, be it shipment, let's say from China or is it from Thailand or Vietnam, we have it all in our platform. Understood. Okay, so really a turnkey solution. Now, I wanted to look north a bit, a market that I've come to know in my years in investment banking. In China, we have an interesting, if not unique structure 
in which we have massive 3PL or third-party logistics companies such as SF Express, YTO, and ZTO. And on top of much of this sits the massive Alibaba-owned 4PL coordinating platform called Cainiao, which commands hundreds of billions of dollars of orders from its Taobao and Tmall affiliates, and it runs them through these 3PLs. How does Indonesia's fulfillment and logistics pyramid compare to China's? I think Indonesia is still very fragmented. Although we do have multiple fulfillment startups in this space, such as Shipper, Circlo, and so on. But I think each player will have key strength in certain services or certain geography. And a lot of these players are still somewhat focusing on Java Island and are yet to expand heavily into other main islands of Indonesia. But we don't have that one single platform that consolidates or basically acts like in China to consolidate these players in fulfillment services. Understood. Let me ask you, who exactly is our most common type of customer? Is it, for instance, a large flagship storefront representing a globally known brand on a platform like Tokopedia or Shopee? Or is it instead more B2B or business to business? Could it be the large brands such as Unilever or P&G? I guess, exactly who is opening up our platform on a daily basis and using it? Yeah, you know, most of our clients, if not all of our clients, are basically B2B industrial companies, ranging from local to global bands. So this would be companies such as Electrolux, even Baskin Robbins, and as well as local brands such as Wings Group, Sinormas, or Sampona Group. Typically, the shipments for this type of clients are derivative product shipments, so they don't necessarily ship finished goods shipments. And the users for our platform would mainly be the export and import operation team of these companies. Understood. I wanted to look at the global competitive landscape. There are several unicorns in digital freight forwarding, from Flexport in the U.S. to Sender and Forto in Europe, to even Yunchuna in China. What does this patchwork of solutions look like in five years' time? Yeah, interestingly, each of these players tend to focus on certain corridors, Ellen. Say, for example, Flexford, they tend to focus on the U.S. and China trade corridors. Probably with Forto in Europe, they tend to focus with Europe and China corridor. So each of these players, which is prominent in their own region, have their own, tends to focus on their own corridor. So since the international shipping market is very, very fragmented, understandably, each region has their own complexities and type of clients and how they deal with clients. But if you look at even the largest trade forwarder in the world, such as Kuninagel, they own less than 10% of market share. So it's not a winner-takes-all type of industry. Everyone will focus on their own niche. And I think eventually for the digital trade forwarders, as you mentioned earlier, there will be more collaborations between the digital trade forwarders and eventually probably Later on, the digital freight forwarders will collaborate to create or build an even larger ecosystem than if they were to stand alone. So not too dissimilar from the airline network by which you can buy a ticket, which gets you from country A to country B over two or three cooperating airlines. Is that right? Yes, that's a perfect example, Alan. Gotcha. Now, Rifki, do we not find competition in the increasingly sophisticated cross-border solutions being offered by the bigger B2B freight forwarders, or even the bigger B2C e-commerce platforms such as Shopee and Lazada. 
is competition heating up? In terms of demand, international shipping is also rising drastically, even in the post-COVID era. And the thing with this, with the focus of Shopee and Lazada, they tend to focus more into the downstream side of shipping. So this will be the micro shipments, the courier, the parcel category, while we focus more on the upstream of the supply chain. And, and it's more on the bulk containerized shipments. And I guess in that space, how are the competitive trends forming? Do you have any of the more traditional guys really digitizing successfully? Yeah, so this is an interesting point, Alan. Now, a lot of the conventional freight folders are seeing that going through manual operation is not going to scale them to the next level. We do see that the conventional freight folder are going digital. But the thing is with this conventional freight folder, what's holding them back is that their infrastructure has been built for manual operation since day one. Give an example, Andalin today, we have around 300 to 400 clients. We only have about three to four operation team members. That's how lean the team is because since day one, we built this company from scratch to utilize digital technology solutions. That is stunning. Just three to four operations people to support all those clients. Now, this space seems indeed as though network effects are an all-important driver for success. Can you share with us one key client win that has sent you definitively onto the path of growing network effects for Andalin? Yes, you're right. Again, with this industry, reputation and trust is a big success factor. Before meeting our first key client, it took us roughly about three to four months just to convince a new client to start trial shipment with us because we didn't have enough, let's say, experience in handling import-export shipments back in 2017, 2018. But we closed our first anchor client in 2019 it was basically one of Indonesia's largest FMCGs. And since then, it's been relatively easier to convince new clients to shift their international shipping to our platform. Now it takes less than two to three weeks from first meeting the client to start their price shipment with us. And it's much easier to onboard partners as well as we have developed more and more reputation in this space. Understood. So another basic question, how exactly do we make our money is it as a percentage of GMV or commission? If it is, how does commission compare to take rates from other parts of the ecosystem, such as the e-commerce platforms? The way we make money in this business as a freight forwarder, we basically purchase individual services from our partners, the PPL, such as the tracking services, container storage, freight services from the shipping lines and airlines, so on. And this can be both from port of loading and port of destination. And then what we eventually do is we package these solutions into one single solution to be offered to our clients. And during the shipment execution, our team will coordinate with these various partners to ensure that the schedules and equipment preparation are all in sync. And then for those services, we mark up the cost and sell it to our clients. Understood. And I guess a follow-up question when I think of repackaging constituent solutions, we're always trying to clear a margin. And when there's a lot of competition and consolidation, the margins can compress or maybe even lose money. What are we doing such that we're just not desperately trying to mark up our service? Are we including additional functionality that our customers are willing to pay for? Yes. In fact, when we talk to our clients, we tend to be able to deliver much higher SLA compared to their incumbents or their previous freight forwarders. The reason being is that 
with Andalin's platform, they'll be able to track and have a better visibility of their international shipping so they can plan better, resulting in much more minimal downtime in terms of the production as well. So this is what they appreciate. And eventually what we see as well, price tends to be a second or third factor of the decision-making as they see that we are more and more reliable for the supply chain solution. Understood. Now, Rifki, what is the biggest bottleneck to growing the business at this point? Is it finding back-end developers or front-end developers? Is it finding leadership for new markets? Is it building the sales force or is it something else? Again, I think just like with many startups, the biggest challenge will be in terms of recruitment, especially in the freight forwarding industry, whereby not a lot of the talent will has tech-savvy backgrounds. So what tends to happen is that once we onboard new operation or sales team members, we still have to somewhat educate them and increase their tech-savviness before going to meet with clients. Understood. Finding that elusive digital native in the shipping industry, a very rare being, I assume. Now, as we strengthen our offerings in international and sea freight, do we think of offering what I would describe as higher level services, such as financial products? And if so, what is our edge compared to the thousands of tech solutions that are also moving into financial services by leveraging the data that they get from their customers? We are looking into developing such product, but what makes us unique is that as a freight folder, both documents and goods are shipped through our infrastructure. So we have real-time visibility and richer data compared to, let's say, a conventional financial institution or, or other fintech players. And this eventually gives us much more advantage in terms of underwriting and providing a much better trade financing solution for our clients for the import exporters. Understood. A more basic question for you, Rifki. How do our trade volumes break down? How much is into Indonesia? How much is within Southeast Asia? How much is maybe outside of the region? Just like other digital freight forwarders having their own corridor focus, we do have our own corridor focus as well. So Andalin tends to focus on intra-Asia shipments. This would be shipped to and from countries such as Vietnam, Thailand, Korea, China, obviously, Philippines. So a lot of the shipments are still in Asia focus. And in terms of volume breakdown, we do 50 to 60% import or inbound shipments and around 40% export shipment. Well, Rifki, it's always fascinating to have industry leaders like yourself come on to discuss the application of technology particularly to some of the world's biggest, most mission-critical, and most complex routines. Thanks for sharing with us in such a clear and understandable fashion, moreover, how Andalin seeks to deliver cross-border trade to ever higher states of efficiency and sophistication. Very much look forward to tracking Andalin's progress. Thank you once again, Alev, for having me. You're very welcome. We hope our listeners have enjoyed today's episode. As always, please consider sharing any feedback that you have about the Endotechno podcast with us. Terima kasih telah mendengarkan. Sampai jumpa lagi. Thank you.